0: Afternoon, you've got Living Writers. I'm T Hetzel, and today Waiky Wang is here in the studio. Hello, uh, thanks for coming down. Of Wieke. course, it's great to see you. Yeah, it's let's see, it's May first. So twenty eighteen a pinch and a punch the first day of the month, no returns rabbits do you know that do you know that is that? No, that's a family um my mum says that, so i'm where's that from? I think it's from England at least oh, that's what mum it says. does sound
1: like it does sound like that, and
0: you say mum so and, and but it's also very i feel like it's 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 somewhat violent too a pinch <laughs> and a punch the first day of the month, but said cheerfully <laughs> okay, so. that's, that's very British. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes
0: <laughs> you're on book tour for the paperback release mm-hmm. of chemistry mm-hmm. your debut novel out with knopf and now with vintage paperback right and i just took a look at your tour and so you're sort of more on the the, at the, end. the end of the arc yeah, more yeah, yeah, yeah. and
1: you're heading to boston and- heading to boston tomorrow then i have miami next week but that should be the end oh, well all these things, I feel like with the events, they're sort of trying to space them out. So I have some events in the summer in New York. But it's not. I'm, I'm not going anywhere, which is... Because you're based is, in New York yes, City I'm, now. I'm based in New York. But so. if I were based someplace else, I feel like I would be always going to New York.
0: <laughs> so then this is this is a good... It's working out. Yeah, it is working out. It is working <laughs> and out. And you're not too far from Boston? I'm not. It's um, a four-hour train ride. So you can yeah. get back if you need... Some right, right, right. Of the the um the old streets of Boston, or so, right,
1: right. Um, well, New York is such a crazy city. I think um, it's it's, you know, it, it's just so crowded. There's so many people, um, and the sidewalks are way too small, and there's always trash everywhere. But it's very vibrant. There's so much culture. Um, it's like a mixed bag. That's true. And there's always there's always something happening. There's always something happening. Which is also good and bad. <laughs> it's good and bad. I think it's good for some people. Like for me, I don't really notice it and I just kind of do my own thing. But for a lot of people, they feel like they get very distracted when they're in New York. They, they have to go everywhere. They have to see all the things. You know, there's so many... S-
0: the pressure to be keeping pressure. up with yeah the, the sample latest.
1: sales. And I don't think I've ever been to a sample sale in
0: my life. Um, but for some reason, yeah. that sounds like Sex in the City a little bit,
1: a little <laughs> bit, a little bit.
0: Um, I don't or know. just maybe, maybe
1: you know, new new
0: pop up <laughs> restaurants
1: that you have to try. Um, and sometimes I look at the address and I'm like, that's in, that's in the East Village. I, I might as well. I might as well just go to Miami. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
0: Um so it, well and what part did you choose to live in? Like what
2: what's your neighborhood? So
1: I'm on 110th in Manhattan, so it's like it's it's upper 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 west side slash southern Harlem almost. So it's at the border. Um so it's very um it's very fun. It's very um there's a lot of parks, which is great. because mm. um, for your dog. Yeah, for my dog. I have a dog.
0: <laughs> do you want to give a shout out to your dog? Is the dog, dog in the um, the picture that you use for the glimmer train. essay. Yes. Essays. Yes. I, you have my glimmer train. essay. Yes. I w- wow. wondered if we could talk about it, this. Um, it was, oh it was a gosh. great one. You know what? Bef- wait, before we get into it, Waikie, cause I can see how this is going to go. I <laughs> just, it's so easy to talk with you. I'll read your bio from chemistry. Okay. okay the, great. The, the book that's, um, the debut novel here on the table, um, with us. And, and then we'll get back to the conversation. Waiki Wang is a graduate of Harvard University, where she earned her undergraduate degree in chemistry and her doctorate in public health. She received her MFA from Boston University. Her fiction has been published in literary magazines, including Alaska Quarterly Review, Glimmer Train, and Plowshares, which also named chemistry the winner of its John C. Zacharias Award. A five under 35 honoree of the National Book Foundation and also now a Penn Hemingway award winner and a Whiting Award winner, Wyke currently lives in New York City, which we have just been discussing. <laughs> have you lived in New York? Um, no, I wish. I, I've been there a, yeah, yeah, yeah. a little bit. It's a good city to visit, I think. I think it would be hard to... It's, it's challenging for me to live, it. live it's in. It's so hard.
1: <laughs> um, I, you know, when I moved there, I was sort of in shock of how hard it would be. Just...
0: What, brought, what brought you there?
1: Um, so we moved all my publishers there and I'd finished my grad program in Boston and it it was, you know, the jobs there, right. There's more jobs there. Um, Columbia Public you know, public health school is there. Um, and I think it was me trying to entertain the idea of if I went into public health but I could also write and do both, maybe New York would be a good city. And I think when you're young and a little bit maybe, you know, not that wise, yeah, you think I I just have to go to New York. I have to sort of live there. It feels experience. like New York City or LA. I feel like yeah. LA has the yeah, yeah, has yeah. the pull too, right? The now. young the young Or the, San Francisco. It, oh San Francisco. But, but who York. can
0: afford San Francisco? That's right. That's the, the very wealthy young. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> the the children of the young. <laughs> um Oh, so what's your favorite park? Which which is the like maybe dog park. Is that like the best qualifier for like in your neighborhood? Yeah, like think, is that um, the
1: I need access to so what I really like about New York is Central Park. So I really need access to that. And we're um uh, me and my dog are a few blocks away from Central Park, which is nice. Um, because that's really the only greenery that we see.
0: Um, it's a huge, <laughs> it's a massive park, though. It is massive.
1: Um, they have a lake. They have a zoo. I've never been to the zoo. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've walked past the zoo a few times. You have. Yeah,
0: yeah but, okay. but not inside it. Um, so connecting to the book mm-hmm. here, um, I'm one of the things I noticed about what you do, Weiki, is that you are able to move across many, um, like time and space in a very short, uh, mm-hmm. real estate on the page mm-hmm. of the book. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene that I'm thinking about, which I think is in like the, this definitely the last third of the book mm-hmm. where, um, the dog is taking, um, the narrator for a walk. It's yes. like, it, and yeah. then it becomes like this strange, um, like there's a hailstorm mm. a person yes. gives an umbrella mm-hmm. um there, there's so this this very clear scene that mm-hmm. we're we're in with the narrator and the dog and and then um the dog lays down in a puddle mm-hmm. and then um and then like the next line and the narrator is putting like a like a gesturing so traffic goes around mm-hmm. the dog so the dog can remain in the street in the puddle mm-hmm. um and then we're at the sh- shrink's yeah. office yeah and i think the last line is more i should have obviously had the page we're going <laughs> i know to yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 and I, I hopefully understand. listeners out there will or soon will right <laughs> um, but and then then we're in the the, the office with the shrink yeah. which is that character's title name yeah. mm-hmm. and and we're talking about the moon yes yeah um
1: i mean i think i kind of like the way that the fiction jumps i've always been drawn to that sort of fiction um That's just generally my natural state. I think it kind of comes from my inability to stay with one event for a very, very long time, you know, doing chapters, traditional chapters of 10, 15 pages, following this one scene, following, describing everything. Um, I find that, you know, when I read, I don't notice that, but sometimes I'm like, it feels a little tedious on the reader because sometimes you can just imagine what this might look like. And... I feel like every reader is fairly smart that they can make the jump to another scene or make the jump to a thought process. Um, And because this writer, not this writer, this narrator is, um, I wrote this as first person. I, as a narrator, wrote this as first person. It's easier, I think, to jump in first person, Um, so you can kind of go into her thoughts, out of her thoughts, to another scene, um, to backstory, to the future. Back to a thought, back to the present, and it's a very easy. Um, and I find that as long as you give context, the reader is really never confused. Um, I do think it a- asks a lot of the reader to follow you, but I think it's actually pretty fun, um, which I really like. Um, so I think I like reading that kind of prose. Um, so this, I know this book has been sort of compared a lot to Jenny Offel's Department of Speculation, um, which I had read. A while ago, and it, that also does these jumps. I haven't read that one. Yeah, that, it's a very, it's a very good book in terms of you know making these sort of jumps um, in scenes and thoughts um, of a narrator. But a lot of great writing, I feel like, does that. You know, I. I, I was under the tutelage of Amy Hempel, who's a short story writer, and she does a lot of those jumps um, in her short stories. Um, and another mentor of mine, Sigrid Nunez, does a lot of those in her sort of memoir style, like f- f- faux memoir style um, prose. So I think it lends well to um, thinking, a narrator thinking, like a meditative process. Um, and part of this book is her coming of age in her own thoughts. So I thought it, it worked well with the structure in that, you know, you wouldn't be in one scene and then you have to go to another scene and then you have to go to another thing.
0: Because we've got that immediacy. Yeah. Of yeah being yeah. in her head yeah, in yeah, a way. Right. So Amy Hempel is a friend of the show. Um, she is, yes, yeah. How and, does this? How did that happen? <laughs> oh, a lot of people come through Michigan, you. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and she actually is one of my heroes of writing. I so I you met her, her. yeah. So she was because, sitting right here. She was actually, indeed, <laughs> yes, Ugh. that very spot, if not the very chair. Wow. As you can tell, things don't the very water mug. But, no, no, that okay. that that dog mug I brought in for you um, although she, loves she, would love, she would
2: actually love that.
0: <laughs> um and next week i'll be talking with jim shepherd and they, oh my
1: god can you say i said hi i, I will certainly say that okay. and his editor is my neighbor
0: yeah so you'll probably get to see him at some point think so i mean i
1: i got (laughs) you know liz my neighbor um i said oh you know jim Shepard. i saw i saw he not acknowledged his acknowledgments can i you know can you just tell him i said hi and then she was so kind and she gave me his email and i just sent this great you know this email was like i love your work i've been reading it for so long i admire the well-researched aspects of everything in your work um, truly, I feel like every single time I read a short story by Junger, I'm like, why? Why am I even writing short stories? I don't. I don't feel like, you know, he's so. He's just so talented.
0: Um, he makes this whole world. Yeah. That that yeah. you. Right. Right. That, right deeply believe right which is so interesting that you're what's, also saying that you admire this the, yeah. um, because it's almost at least I've only read the first story in the latest collection of his of his short stories mm-hmm. um, but it's the complete opposite of the spare cut mm-hmm. style mm-hmm. that I so admire in your novel <laughs> right, chemistry right, it's completely different
1: I think you admire you know I admire writers who can do something I can't um, and Jim Prefer. I can't Amen. do, it. I can't do that. Um, so,
0: <laughs> so it's just like, how do you do it? It's part admiration, part envy, I think. And why do you think, um, for like getting back to your writing, um, that do you read it out loud also to find the places to cut? Like when you're drafting, yeah. how much of, I read it out loud a lot. Um, but I don't
1: notice it. I think only people around me notice it. Like if I'm in the library or working from home, somebody will say, you, you, you're you talking to yourself. Um, but I don't notice it when I'm writing. I think I'm just muttering it. But why do you think that's important to mutter? <laughs> I think you have to hear it. You have to, you know, um, a lot of my teachers have said that... Um, every writer has to hear a period coming a mile away. So you have to know when the sentence is going to end. And that's intuitive. I mean, it can be taught, but it's also partly intuitive. Um, and another teacher reminds that there's, there's been like many blind writers, but they've never, there's never been a deaf one. So the idea of being able to hear your words, um, and to see how that sounds, um, is really important. Um, So reading work out loud is something I advise to students. And I don't mean reading it out loud in front of everyone, but just reading it out loud partially. Um, You get to hear things that, you know, maybe rhyme that you didn't want it to rhyme. um, Repetitions that you didn't, things that go on for too long, lack of pauses, that sort of thing. I think dialogue works better when you read it out loud. So you can, you know, would you actually say something like that? So I do read a lot of things out loud um, to get the voice right. Um, voice is something I care about a lot.
0: Well, let's take, let's take a short break. And when we come back, let's talk about voice. Of course. Today on the program, Waikie Wang is here. Chemistry, her debut novel. I'm T Hetzel. We've got the Liz behind the glass. We'll be right back. Good afternoon. If you're just joining us, I'm glad you did. Waiki Wang is here, her novel chemistry. Um so after, during the break we were talking a little bit more about how how lovely um Amy Hempel is. Yeah. And yes. um and how you, you had the opportunity to meet Amy in undergrad. Yes. When you weren't even um, thinking of yourself as a writer. No, should, no,
1: no, should we no definitely up, not.
0: Should we pick up there?
2: Yeah, of course,
1: <laughs> of course. Um, so I think I had a really nice experience in that when I was, I went I went to a college in which um, I, it was, I was very fortunate to have met great teachers and mentors. Um, that was one of the great aspects of going to that kind of school. And I just thought for fun, uh, let's take a writing class. I've always enjoyed writing. I thought it was a nice thing to do on the side and i was always i was taking all these pre-med classes and it was definitely on the side it was definitely on the side um and i was in amy's class for sort of intro fiction um and i i had no idea you know embarrassingly i have to say this i had no idea who she was i didn't i never read any of her work um because i think i was a sophomore so you know i was. Nineteen, right? You don't really know anything when you're nineteen, um, and I went into the class. I think I showed up late the first day. She looked at me. She get, got me to sit down, and the class started. Um, and I really just enjoyed the way that she taught. Um, she was very generous with her students. Um, in hindsight, now I think about it, she was very generous with her students. She um, had this thing where you know we went through and talked about what was positive and what what worked and then we went through the critique um, and she was just such a great listener of other students um, and just a generally great teacher you know you should read this this you should work on um, let's set up you know, one on one she's just so nice and I think in hindsight, I appreciate this more because I had no idea how famous she was, right? Um, and then later on, sort of, you know, a few classes went by and I just... You, you just start to hear things, right? Oh, she's... she's, You know, she's like a writer's writer. I had no idea what that meant at the time. And, um, you, you know, did you know that her first story, blah, 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 and her, like, collection... And I think at one point I was like, I'm just going to Google her because, you know, I don't really Google all of my professors. Um, and I Googled her. And I think I was just completely floored. <laughs> um, because by that point, for some reason, I would convinced the class, let's all go out for bubble tea. And then so Amy Hempel and the class went out and we got boba <laughs> and like mochi ice cream. And I just thought this was so normal. But in hindsight, I was all, <laughs> a little bit mortified that I took her out to boba. <laughs>
0: No, why? Um, I'm well, sure she loved that. And yeah, that's what was important. Yeah, to her um,
1: so she was, it was great. And, and I think the, 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 the year after I took, you know, advanced fiction with her, it was a, it was a completely different experience and that everybody was sort of on a different level. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were learning, we were writing, um, and there was a lot of other grad students in in the class. Um, and then it just felt more of like, um, very similar to how my MFA experience felt the, the nice classes in the MFA. So, so everybody was very kind, considerate. We had this teacher who sort of guides the conversation, but doesn't take over the conversation. Um, and she's, I've, I've kind of kept in touch with her ever since, um, other dogs, you know, um, I like that she writes about dogs. Jim Shepard writes about dogs, too. He has... What What does he have? He has... Beagles. Beagles. He has, I like, think. four or three. Oh, yeah. He has a ton it, of
0: beagles. Kind of a handful of beagles. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, And I, I think the idea of writing about dogs is so sweet, um, which, is, which is why eventually I got a dog. I mean, not because Amy had a dog, but the idea of, you know, being around dogs. Um, so... I don't think I would have written without her encouragement. I think at the beginning I needed encouragement. Um I think anybody at the beginning needs encouragement. Um and that's what she gave me. Um and then it, it sort of catapulted me into doing the MFA and um she read I think uh, the manuscript of this and was very kind to give you know give me her support. Um so
0: in all I I don't I have nothing bad to say about her. And so so you mentioned the MFA program yeah. um and that that was in Boston mm-hmm. um Boston University right and mm-hmm. um but you were also doing uh is it uh biostatistics yeah uh, i did um
1: it's health it's degree? part biospecific. Uh, it's um it's a
0: cancer epidemiology which
1: is a little bit of biostatistics a little bit of public health um it's mostly mostly just big data analysis. Um, So I was doing that, um, which I don't think I was supposed to, but it's sort of water under the bridge, right?
0: (laughs) But but as a PhD student. Yeah. And then concurrently I was doing the MFA like when you were part way into that program right, right 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 you also applied to the I mean, MFA this is kind of an amazing are you tired of talking about this no, no 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 I mean
1: not at all you're, you're so- I, I think it's important that you know this young generation young generations of writers know that to become a writer takes work It's not just, you you know, you go go to a beach house and you write, right, funded by this invisible hand. Um, It's work, and you have to pay your dues, right? And when I signed up for the MFA program, I just didn't have the luxury of quitting something that was so practical, like my doctorate. So I thought, okay, I'm going to give this class, uh, I'm going to do the MFA, and I just told myself, if I really love this, if I really can succeed in it, I'll succeed in this no matter what, right? so I'll succeed in this, whether I'm doing the PhD, whether I have a job, I'm going to, I'm going to do it no matter what. So the, that's, writing. Yeah, like you would the write writing, the no writing, no matter what I would write after. no matter what. So I did it because it was also, um, with grad school, you have a stipend, right? So that's important, um, to live, you know, money is important, even though artists don't always say that. No, it, it is really important, right? Yeah. A, uh, fellowship a fellowship gives you money and yeah, time because you need to eat and you, you need to have a roof. All, all these things help with writing. Um, so I just felt that I couldn't give up sort of the quote unquote day job or the practical aspect for something as impractical at the beginning as writing. Um, and I really, I really encourage and, you know, tell my students who are now young writers, if you're going to go into this field, you have to be very aware of the implications. You, you, you should be aware that it's going to be work and you should be willing to put in it. And it was also a way of doing them concurrently became a way of for me to discover that I think I'm not bad at this. I think I can do it with the pressure and I think I can do it successfully. Um, And I think I can sort of maybe bring something new to the table um, in, in a way that I um, feel a sense of accomplishment for um, and it's a field that I can grow in. So I needed those two concurrent, that kind of, pressure cooker environment for me to discover that. Um, because I think when you're under pressure, you just start to, for me, at least I think a little bit more clearly, I think, okay, what are the necessities? Um, what do I need? What I, what do I not need? Um, and how can I make this work in the most, you know, um, conducive way?
0: And it seems like you it also forced you to be highly organized. Because yeah, yep. in we mentioned glimmer Train, um, mm-hmm. you've got a great personal essay, a hundred percent rejection rate. <laughs> which as the essay goes on, it becomes ninety-eight point something percent. It's, it's and, and this high. is like and this is a long this is ninety eight point nine. Ninety eight point nine.
1: <laughs> that was that was after I had gotten some things. A published. story published. Yes, a story right? published.
0: Um, but this but this in this essay you talk about I think it's every other day. You assigned um, the the chunk of time nine to two p.m. for yeah. writing, and yeah. that's how you got through the MFA program. And mm-hmm. then the other days of the week, was they were for teaching because right. you were also tutoring, right. Right. And then doing the PhD work, right? Yeah.
1: Um, so I it was it was a I'm very good now at at managing my time um, and structuring it. So that's that's what I do now, um, and I think it's. It just gives some sort of structure, right so many so many writers need structure and need deadlines um, for me, if I treat it like a job or sort a of part-time job, it helps me get through it a little bit more so you're logging the hours quote unquote, even if every word you write doesn't end up in the final manuscript but maybe it's giving you time
0: to find those words right because right. you're there doing you have it. to
1: write through a lot to find a few
0: that work. Is- <laughs> Are you finding that with the the current project? Like, what's happening now for you? Because this is, as we mentioned earlier, this is the paperback release mm-hmm. of Chemistry. This is the paperback, yes. So
1: right now I'm working on this, this this novel. I think I'm halfway through a little bit, past halfway through. I'm, I've written, if you think about the quantity, I've written probably a whole novel, if not more. Two novels worth of stuff that I'm always just trimming down. Um and trying to polish um but the story is sort of a long-term friendship between two people and following that and how that it grows or doesn't grow um where are the chunks of separation um when do they come together that sort of thing um so you know in in chemistry this is more of a love story um there's friendship in there but it, the the main thread is that of a love story and also a family love um, in yeah. this other one that I'm working on, it's more about the friendship between just two college friends, you know, they meet in college, but what happens later on in life and how that develops. Um, I think friendship is not really written about that much, um, especially not in America. I know in other, other countries it is, um, like Europe, but here, are you thinking of like Elena Ferrante? Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. The, Thomas Mann. The, yes. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. right. Um, so I feel like, but in America it's not, it's not a huge
0: topic. Friendship no in fact um a student of mine is creating um something on instagram to address that like how oh. they always say th- you know like you can how you met the person you love yeah. or so now. You,
1: now it's how you met your friend yeah, yeah.
0: in fact i hope th- you know so check that out everybody because um julia's got that online Right, right.
1: <laughs> but i think the friendship relationship is also very complicated because it has to grow to encompass you know, your, your different lives. Right. Um, and different and that usually is different places, different places, um, and why people keep in touch. Um, and what, um, part of a friendship I think is also, you know, love in a, in a different way, like Completely. Fam, family love. Um, but there's also some sort of attraction, right? There's curiosity, there's attraction.
0: And and I would think admiration. admiration. There's something you see right. in the other right. that you, right. you can also believe right. in. Exactly.
1: Um, and, it, you know, I'm sort of trying to think about how that friendship can go into love or come out of love, that sort of thing, because it's um, a boy and a girlfriend, but then it's their friendship for many, many years. And do they come together, or do they never come together? That kind of question I'm dealing with because I actually have a lot, a lot of you know, friends who are guys who I've been friends with for a few decades. Well, you know, I haven't That's been weird long to for say. That many decades, yeah. <laughs> but I guess two decades, right? Um, and I just wonder. It, it we've never explored other avenues. We've just been friends, but this friendship has sort of changed in many ways. Um, and I've seen them get married and have kids, but we're still friends, but obviously it's different. So I
0: I think it's something interesting to explore. And so that's the current, that's That's the current current project. project. Yeah. And is it also with, um, let's see. Oh, you know what? Let's take a short break. And then, okay. and then we'll we'll come back and talk more. Okay. Today on the program, Waiki Wang is here. Chemistry, the book on the table with us. I'm T Hetzel. You've got Living Writers. We'll be back.
3: Tonight I'm gonna have myself a real good time. I feel alive
0: Got Living Writers, I'm T Hetzel. Today on the program, Waiki Wang is here. Chemistry, the debut novel. That's been, um, I mean, you've just. What's it like now to have the PEN Hemingway? Because these are all more recent that have these just are very happened, Last right? Waiki, yeah. So and the Whiting Award, the Whiting. So what do you, what do you what's how does that change the game a bit? Or I mean, maybe not that. Okay, let me rephrase that. Because it's already clear to me that you would be writing no matter what. (laughs) But but these are some of the things that encourage you Uh in a way that I can only imagine is super encouraging. (laughs) I mean, I think...
1: um, I guess I'm just so pleased that this novel did well. Um, You know, with debut novels, sometimes no one is sure how they will do. Um, So with this one, when I wrote it, and whenever you're writing, for me at least, I think, who's going to read this? I I don't know who's going to read this. I guess I read it. (laughs) Um, And I I guess I'm just so pleased that this has been well-received. I have readers. um, And it's sort of being recognized on a more literary level in terms of... um, you know what I was trying to accomplish artistically, which was to create a to to create a readable story. Sometimes I feel like literary fiction can almost go on the side of hard to read in terms of following the narrative. I wanted to write a readable story that also um, pushed the reader to maybe um, experience different form, different structures, um, different voices, um, with also tidbits of science, which is. Just fun. I think it's fun for the reader to maybe learn some of the things um, just because science is sometimes painted as daunting. Um, so, And it's so
0: naturally yeah. um, woven into the pieces yeah. and also used for often humor. Mm-hmm. So imagine that. Right science as humorous <laughs> as well yeah or complete pathos right for example right. when you bring up Marie Curie mm-hmm. or or the, the, or, the hardest, other, or the other Clara Haber yes. is it Haber or Haber
1: oh it's the Haber, Haber process that was it's a little shocking right yes so that
0: was not funny right. <laughs>
1: It's ac- well, I actually went down this rabbit hole of doing research on other chemists just because they're so interesting, the lives of other chemists um, and their personal lives and how they can kind of implode because their professional lives are this non and, you know, this unstoppable momentum um, of research. And sometimes these scientists just do research to just do research, but they never think about the implications. And then you have Nobel thinking about these implications. Um, So I think I wanted to write a story on a, on a level of giving these scientists a little bit more of a full picture, right? Um, Not all of them are objective um, individuals who um, are always doing the right thing, right? Sometimes they're just human beings, which is what you can say about everybody. Right, Um, who are in professions like these.
0: Or just everybody, period, really. Everybody, period. But sometimes we don't
1: want to allow certain... Right. And I wonder why. I wonder why that is with scientists, that we don't sort of allow them to have this human aspect to them.
0: Um, Yeah, because you'd think that to be human would make you more trustworthy. Right. Not less so. Right. Um, and I think it's just
1: because science is sometimes held at a distance so often that um, we become a little bit scared of it. And if it, you know, if it's unfamiliar, then we think, oh, they must know what they're doing. They're the serious sort. They have to take their work seriously. And right. I do, I do think scientists take their work seriously. But that doesn't mean they th- always think through the implications, right? You know, right. we have certain, or yeah. that certain pressures
0: don't mm-hmm. force people's hands in ways that right, they shouldn't exactly, be exactly because there's a character in chemistry that is put in the pressure mm-hmm, cooker in mm-hmm. a way that isn't healthy right forges right, some statistics right, data, data yeah. which is i has think to very leave.
1: common i mean not that com- you know but it is common I, I i think once you go into the field you sort of always hear stories of that happening
0: yeah, yeah. Even at quite high levels mm-hmm. of like plagiarism, in fact, mm-hmm. where you think, how could that even... Right. How, how did it get so far right. to this right. or so lauded in a particular way until... Right. Um, yeah. Well, you know what? Let's. Do you mind reading some of chemistry of course, so that we can hear what we've been talking about a little bit? Um, so I'm going to start reading
1: from the middle, closer to the middle of the book. Um, I guess the only context... Should I give a little context? yeah, great. the only context is that the the book starts with a, a question so the narrator's boyfriend slash potential ex boyfriend Eric has just asked for her hand in marriage and she's not sure so that um, she's not sure at this point either um, and she's currently quit her grad program in chemistry, and something has happened to her part her their apartment that they have to move out so it's it's not been a good couple of months. The optimist sees the glass half full, the pessimist sees the glass half empty, the chemist sees the glass completely full, half in liquid state and half in gaseous, both of which are probably poisonous. At the start of grad school, the safety officer warns us that working in a chem lab can shave five years off your life. Some things will never leave your lungs, he says, silica, for instance. Oh well, I think, who needs to live that long anyway? Because the inn has no kitchen, we have been eating a lot of granola bars. I don't understand when I read on food packages that something is chemical-free. I immediately take offense. Everything is made up of chemicals. To say that something is chemical-free is to say that the inside of this package is an absolute vacuum. Why would I pay this much for a vacuum? Also, how much granola is too much? The only difference between a poison and a cure is dosage. Drink too much water and you will die. Inhale water and you will die as well. Chemists long ago used to stir their reactions by hand. I am being quite literal. They used to check for doneness with one finger in the pot. The mark of a good chemist used to be the number of fingers you had. The fewer, the better. It showed more experience in the lab. Eric has all ten fingers and all ten toes. I joke that he must not be a very good chemist, and he gives me a genuine laugh. But then the job offers come in, including Oberlin, Ohio. He puts a doily on my head and dances me around the room. The moment we're back in our old apartment, he asks the first question again. Say yes, I want to. He asks the second question. Come with me, I want to. Then say yes, isn't it enough that I want to? Eric has never jogged until now. I think it is to minimize his time at home with me. Outside it is warm and joggers are rampant along the river, but Eric is the only one doing it in jeans and waterproof <laughs> boots. Thank you. <laughs> so that's a little bit, but <laughs> in the
0: middle. So why did you pick that section to read, YQ?
1: Um, So I used to read from the beginning just because I liked the beginning a lot, and then I, after you know reading an, uh, a hundreds or so <laughs> times, you get a little tired. And I like that section because I think it pulls together, you know the the. The weirdness about chemistry there's so many weird stories in chemistry um and also just her and eric's relationship that they're going through this very awkward long breakup just when you're you've been together for years sometimes the breakup is not so clean um and just what that long breakup looks like um some days are great and like you know that's seen in the end but then the day after is not so great and then it's a great day and then it's not so great so you know it's such a back and forth Um, but it's not without its humor, I think. And that's what I like to capture with these stories and how I write is that even if it's devastating, I think it can still be funny. Um, because most of the time, even if I'm devastated about something, I will still laugh in that same day or that same hour about something else. Right. Um, so that's what makes it so painstaking is that you suddenly think about this heartbreaking thing and then you find humor in something else a second later, and then you think about that aspect again. Um, and that's what makes it almost very bittersweet.
0: How did um, how did you find the voice for this? Like knowing that you wanted to write in the first person I yeah,
1: Right. Um, so first person for me just comes a little bit naturally. Um, the second one is in third person. You know, stupidly, I thought, I'm, I'm going to challenge myself. Yeah, uh, for gonna, your current project. right. right
0: that makes sense though yeah
1: i think you know i say this and people are like no i think that's a good idea but during it i'm like oh my <laughs> god i love first person so much more why why am i doing this to myself
0: do you have any first person stories on the side that you kind of do as traits, oh yeah like as yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: of course okay. um so i have this i'm, I'm writing these vignettes about um <laughs> this like disaster sort of narrator who's. Um, planning her wedding, um, sort of in these very short paragraphs of what happens in this wedding process. Um, that's going to be hilarious. Yeah. But it's more of just a, (laughs) like, like an outlet for me. Um, and I do that in the first person. It's, it's just easy for me. Um, it, it comes a little bit more naturally, Um, Might you send that to McSweeney's or something. (laughs) Maybe. That's actually not a bad idea. (laughs) For this one, the voice had... I think with novels, I'm a little bit more careful in terms of controlling the voice, editing it down, um, making sure there's a right balance of um, humor, but also poignancy, um, making sure everything is a necessary word. Um, Just because I spend so much time on the novel. So this one I spent a lot of time on. And then the current second novel, I'm spending more time on to make sure everything fits in a in an organic way um, so I think I, when I when I go into find a voice everything in a way sounds like me it's hard to not sound like the writer um, because the writer is writing it but I think the each piece does have a different tone right um so um, with this piece the tone is um there's you know it's lighthearted, right? But there's also um, a very dark undercurrent for this, for the story. Um, but with other stories, I'm on might might have a different undercurrent. Mm. Um, but the voice, I think, I'm, I I I prefer maybe shorter sentences, simpler constructions. I really value white space when I write. Um, maybe stopping a section before I over explain. I'm always afraid of over explaining the, you know, I write it, I write what I wish to get out. And then sometimes I'm like, no, they'll figure it out. I'm just gonna delete that section. And then it sounds like, oh, I expect the reader to
0: make that jump. When I probably wrote the connection, I just took it out. Um, because you felt like in the balance or how the rhythm of it was moving right that you could take
2: that piece out and it would make it
0: stronger it
1: would make it stronger i think it also helps the reader pay attention um it's definitely more engaging yes right because then you're active you're actively thinking about the story you're actively thinking about how did that jump happen um and sometimes you know that's what i like to do when i write a paragraph I connect it very linearly and then I think okay this is they know this cut they know this cut and then it sort of adopts that voice in in a way of skipping
0: which I I sort of like well and I think because when we were started we mentioned it earlier a Mm -hmm. little bit but I feel like it's a generous thing to do as as the writer because you're you're leaving space for the reader Mm -hmm. because in good Mm -hmm. writing the reader has to be there.
1: Right. Um, and, you know, the, the, the age-old advice of writing to your smartest friend or writing to the smartest reader. Um, I I think once you explain something the reader has already figured out, you lose the reader, right? Um, among other ways to lose. It's very easy to lose the reader. <laughs> um, so, so I think over-explaining can do it. You know, um, not having sympathy for the characters, that sort of thing. Um, but i find that the reader likes it when they're thinking because um that's the dialogue that's the conversation that you have on the page and um if you can think see the narrator thinking on the page because the reader's filling in that blank that's all I feel like that's a very rewarding experience when I read um other writers,
0: and it seems to also get you as the reader closer to right. that narrator right so yeah. you're you are, you're sort of pulled in. Yes. Very yes. close. Yes. Um and and so you are you're gonna be reading at Literati bookstore. I am. And I wanted to mention that Hillary, um Hillary and Mike are the, the owners, yeah. they they brought it back brought you know, the a bookshop back to Ann Arbor because we we started losing some. Um Started losing bookstores? Yeah, oh. yeah. Which, which is a conversation yeah, for yeah. another time because this used to be a really books, big bookstore <laughs> town, and now, Aunt Agatha's is closing, a big oh, wow. m- a mystery shop that's been around for a while. Um, so we just. Anyway, so very grateful for uh, Literati be- being here, and Hillary brought your book to us. I think last year was it the Liz for the summer read, and so my first impression of your book, Waiky, was that the Liz loved it. It got <laughs> like I don't know more than five stars. Like, like oh yay! Triple, five and a half, triple <laughs> thumbs up. Yeah. So um, and and then it took me a while and to get a get a chance to have it on my reading radar. so when you came back to town I was like this is my chance and I love it I'm oh, so great. glad that Thank you're here you. and um uh, we'll take a short break and then we'll come of back and uh, so today on Living Writers Waiki Wang is here her novel chemistry as you can tell we're really glad she's here and we're glad you are too we'll be back Welcome back. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. Today on the program, Waiki Wang is here. Her novel, Chemistry. Um, we just got to hear some of it. Um, so glad you all are listening. And Waiki, thanks so much for coming by of the course. studio today. It's been so fun. Yeah, this has been great. Come and You're back, very Come back <laughs> anytime. <Okay. laughs> I would love to. I mean,
1: I came, I, I came here in the morning and I've just been walking up and down State Street seeing U of M um, kind of exploring a little kind bit. of exploring because um, I think I've always I've been to U of M but you know during sort of like the admissions process like going to college or like grad school or you know that kind of thing I've never
0: kind of come back here to enjoy as a person right? yeah as a, as a, as a person, writer as a writer which yeah. is so
1: weird because I interviewed here for med school isn't that bizarre yeah completely different experience <laughs> oh, I believe it yeah <sighs> we'll, we'll come back anytime just feel invited yeah yeah, yeah. not of for, course, med of course. for med school no 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 i think med school was interesting it, it was i just i had a great time here for the med school interview i just i just i don't remember anything about it except for the interview question about like if somebody drowned who would you pick like your dog or your spouse like that was a question that was
0: a question yeah is that normal when you went well, to I the think other so. ones? i think
1: so i think so it's it's um it's how they want to know how you think so they want they it's not whether you have a right answer or a wrong answer, it's just, you have to reason through why you would pick this versus the other. Um, but then I was just thinking the whole time I was reasoning through, everybody's dead. If they're drowning, they're dead. So why am I even talking about this? Like, can you imagine
0: in a movie, let's think about
1: this. (laughs) So
0: before, well, I'm so glad that you didn't let that that question sort of process deter you from, from coming back. But, um, so uh Wiki, um with with chemistry we've been talking mm-hmm. about the the voice mm-hmm. and oh I also wanted to say thanks for picking the music for oh, today's show. Oh, you're welcome.
1: It's kind of a mix. Um I have Sort of the rock classics that I really love, like Queen. Um, and currently, I've been listening to a lot of Zeppelin, um, and I just like that when I you know work out, when I run, but also when I just want to get out of my own head. I like a lot of classical piano pieces um, because sometimes when I write, I, I like the um, just the rhythm of it it flows it's like a really long run-on sentence which is nice because i don't always write run-on sentences um and sort of just modern dance music that helps me um and obviously the beatles piece at the very beginning was from this you know um dear prudence is from this book um and i um i just like that piece it's like it's like a a very it's deceptively simple which i think is how I, i i what i like about the, be- the best prose, I think, is deceptively simple, is that you listen to it and it's it's a very simple melody, but there's so, so much going on at the same time. Um, so that's so, that's
0: so kinda... many layers yeah. and and undercurrents. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so, Waikie, we mentioned briefly earlier too that this is this is a love story. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, the only named character is is. Eric is yes. is the boyfriend and then yes. then um ex-boyfriend. Yes. Um but it's also a love story for family. Yeah. And the mother and father mm-hmm. are so present mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. this book. Mm-hmm. Um can you can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit yeah, about this of family love story and of course. and about um I don't know how it affected the narrator mm-hmm. um in some, um, I hurt for you. I guess mm-hmm. maybe we could mm-hmm. start there.
1: Yeah. Um, so, I hurt for you is a phrase that comes at the end of the book. And it was how I wanted to encompass the love that these parents. Or she feels for her parents, and her parents feel for her. Um, I, I often think that you know, Asian American families are stereotyped as being very difficult. I mean, that's it. You sort of they're difficult. They never say "I love you." Period. And I think that that you know, you say you can hear period from coming from a mile away, but I just don't think that's a period. That's a semicolon. And there's so much beyond that, right? There's so much. What does that love mean? Even though they don't say "I love you," doesn't mean they don't love you. There are different ways that they say it. There's different ways that they they, they, they feel and I think I Heard for You is trying to encompass the sacrifice that parents especially these parents are making for your kids you know every parent can understand that you sacrifice for your kids um, but these parents have sort of gone to great lengths to sacrifice for her for this daughter the mother essentially become this completely different person so that this daughter can be a full person um, and that that just tears up, up on people I think that, that weighs heavily on people um, and, and the family, you know, love is how she's maneuvering with these, quote, through and with these, quote, unquote, difficult parents, but also embracing that aspect of it, um, you know, respecting that difficulty um, because there's so much complexity behind it and also um, so much history. You know, you're, you're talking about, like, thousands of years, years of culture behind this kind of thought process and this kind of love. Um, and she's just scratching the surface of it um, with just coming to a new understanding of her parents. So many, I think, coming-of-age stories are about understand me. And I think for this one, I wanted her to understand her parents, which is coming-of-age. You you start to realize your parents are not... Um, you know, they they don't need to grow up to understand you. Maybe you need to grow up to be the adult and realize... Um, that they 're actually doing okay, and they 're also human, um, so that 's how I wanted to kind of encompass this coming of age is that she it 's a mutual respect understanding admiration um, and there 's that moment in the in the end where she sort of realizes that she could not do what her parents said, even though she you know was a relentless um, critic of them she couldn 't do it um, she sort of hits an age where she 's like. I couldn't, I couldn't do this. Um, And that becomes a very
0: powerful moment for her in the, in the book. And, and I've loved talking with you today. I wish we had more time. And yeah, because I think the (laughs) next thing we would talk about is fear and courage and how that's working in the book, but maybe we can say that's, for our next conversation. For next conversation. I will be back. Waiki, thank you so much oh, for coming welcome. today. You're um, welcome. Today on Living Wri- Writers, Waiki Wang, her novel, Chemistry. I'm T. Hetzel. Thanks for listening. Until next time.
4: Time flies by when the night is young.
5: Welcome in, everybody. Uh, It's the Wednesday DSR on this summery February afternoon, I'd say, outside. The winter wonderland that's Ann Arbor, Michigan, with water leaking everywhere. Um, Usually I'm just on the Monday DSRs. I'm Zach Linfield. Amir Backtosh is with me. Man, it's been a while since we've called a game together. Um, We called the Capital One Orange Bowl together down in Miami. And then we have to kind of decide on what we're doing next year. Um, But like I said, I got kind of tossed into the fire And I was like, screw it, we'll do this topic And I think it'll be a lot of fun I would love to get some feedback If we do have listeners on the airwaves today At WCBN FM Ann Arbor 734-763-3500 So here's the topic Like I said, kind of just got thrown in To the middle of this And we're going to do our top logos In each of the four major sports And our top logos in collegiate sports And I think this could be a fun topic for Amir and I. And as I look across all these leagues, I think there are some incredible logos. And some that, if I ever look at rankings, are probably ranked a little bit higher than what they actually should be. And I'll tell you right now, the Washington Commanders is probably going to be name-wise at the bottom. Logo-wise, it's not that bad. However, let's start in college. We're going to do our top three. I know I'm kind of throwing you into a pit, so I'm going to make you go first, (laughs) (laughs) just because I know you're not all that prepared, because like I said, uh, Mir and I kind of got thrown into this for the Wednesday DSR, and I was like, why not? We'll we'll talk about logos and see where it takes us. So we're going to do top three, start with number three down to one.